starting the series off, Exposing Jesus. This has been something God's been building up in us for a while, getting us to this point. And what we're going to be doing, just so you know, this is going to be a long series. I'm going to do my best not to preach a long time in each Sunday, but y'all know that that's wishful thinking. Y'all don't worship as hard and I won't preach as long. That's just the way it is. God gets to move and I feel like I got things to say, but this is going to be a long series. But what we're going to be doing, we're going to be looking at every major theme of the Bible, starting in the book of Genesis, going all the way through to the book of Revelations. We may even hit a couple of the maps while we're at it. So we're going to literally cover everything. And the goal of this series is to literally expose Jesus in every major theme of the Bible. That sound cool? So I'm not going to be as animated. I'm not going to be running around saying, ah, get ready, get ready. That's not what I'm going to do in this. I'm going to be doing a little teaching. And so you're going to want to bring a notebook. You're going to definitely want to bring your Bible or at least a good Bible app that you can follow along. But I've got some other preliminary remarks, but let's get right into this. John chapter 8, verse 58. For the next few weeks, this is going to kind of be our theme verse. And here's what Jesus says. I tell you the solemn truth. Before, everybody say before. Before. No, say it like you're going to preach with me. Say before. Before. I tell you the solemn truth. Before Abraham came into existence, I am. How awesome is that? Before Abraham was even a thought, I am. It's really important to see the way the text is lined out here because it's not just mixing up tenses to to get us confused in our our modern day language. No, the whole point of this is for us to see what he is really saying. And today what I want to do is peel back a layer so you can understand why I always say things like Jesus is, even if I'm talking about the, the New Testament, or Jesus is, even if I'm talking about in the future, because we're not dealing with anything where the tenses of our language really apply. Because Jesus is, amen. Jesus is the foundation of everything that we believe. If, if there's any other foundation in your belief system, my friend, you have promised you you've come to the wrong church because we are not a church that bases anything on religious history. We base everything on the entirety of who our God is, what he has already done and what he is doing right now. Everything in the text points directly to him. If you are in what we call the Old Testament, it is all pointing to him. If it's the books of history, if it's the books of poetry, if it's the books of prophecy, it all points to Jesus. And then you get into the New Testament. Everything in the Gospels is all about him. And then from the book of Acts all the way to the maps, everything points right back to him. And where we're living today is right smack dab in the middle of his plan and in the middle of his purpose because everything in the text points to him and everything that we are emanates from him there's nothing without Jesus amen there is nothing I'm saying amen because y'all ain't saying amen fast enough with me there's nothing without Jesus if you remove Jesus you have nothing if you remove Jesus it's like taking the foundation out from under your house you can't go anywhere without Jesus amen so the very first theme of the Bible that we're going to dive into today is the theme of creation And so for the next two to three weeks, we're going to be in creation. And if you need a title for today's sermon, I'm simply titling it this, The Beginning. Everybody say, The Beginning. beginning. Miss Veronica, help me out real quick. Put that weird-looking slide up there that's got the weird-looking Hebrew words on it. 
The word that we're going to be looking at today is breshith. Look at your neighbor and say, breshith. Breshith. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I spelled this this way because there is a more modern spelling of this word. Because our church is primarily young and most of us are immature like your pastor is. And if I spelled it the way it was in the ancient, everybody would be going, hey, that's a bad word up there. But it's, <laughs> breshith is how you say it. I would tell y'all to mature, but I don't want to. I just think life is fun when you laugh at things. The first word in the text, the very first word that is in the Bible is the word in the original language, breshith, breshith. And it literally means in the beginning. It's one word that literally means that entire phrase, in the beginning. But, but I want you to understand this, and I, I told you, I'm going to be a little teachy in, in this series because God wants us to see that there is a foundation that we need in our life, that when we understand who he is in his story, that's where we are in our story, and that begins to make a little bit more sense for us because we're going to reveal Jesus in every part of the text. that sound good to anybody? So we're going to dive into this a little bit. While the word breshith means in the beginning, this is not his beginning, Rather, it is our beginning. It is not his beginning. It is ours. He started the process of creation with a full knowledge of not only who he is, but with a full knowledge of who he wanted us to be when the time was right. We're going to dive into that a little bit more here in the next couple of weeks. So you want to stay with me. If, if, if you miss any week, it's going to be online at nolachurch.com. They're, they're on the app. They're on our YouTube channel. You can even find them on Facebook as well. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to a translation that I would be willing to bet that about 99.99% of you do not have. And this is the uh, Safaria translation of the Bible. And this is a Transliter transliterated translation directly from the ancient Hebrew. This is what most of your Hebrew people today who read the Old Testament, this is the translation that they use, and it's been transliterated into English. And that's a lot of big words. Some of y'all are thinking, man, he's smart. But let me just tell you, I wrote them all down. I'm not that smart. And by the way, you don't need to learn how to read ancient Greek or ancient Hebrew to understand the Bible. It's cool. But it doesn't have a lot of use if you don't know how to use it. So I'm going to show you some things. And there's a reason I'm using this translation as opposed to one that we're a little bit more familiar with. And we'll break that down as we go through this. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says this in the original text. When God began to create the heaven and the earth. Notice that word when. In Hebrew that is the word breshith translates into our language in the beginning, but in Hebrew context, it literally means when. Look at your neighbor and say, when. All I do is when, when. Anyway, that was dumb. That was just dumb. I'm sorry. That's stupid. So you say, what, what is this? When, when is the breshith or the beginning of time? This is not time is going and this is a moment in time. No, you have to understand this. That word when right there is the very beginning, the very birthplace of time itself. 
Time did not exist before when. When when happened, time began. Does that make sense? When is the breshit, the beginning of time, the very creation of time? Before this exact moment, time did not exist. Only unbroken continuity. There was only this unbroken continuity. And we say, like, what is that? That is God. What, what happened before creation? God. When did God happen? Well, God. How long before in the beginning did God? God. There was nothing but unbroken continuity. And I, and I know that's a big word. And I know that we're in southeast Louisiana and other various parts of the world. But continuity is a big word. What does that mean? That means it is a continuum that never ends and never begins. It simply is. When happened in the middle of this continuity? Is this too deep today? Y'all, with me? Y'all learning something? All right, here, here we go. You, you got to get this. Before when... God is. You got to hang on to that because that's where we're going. And if you really want to understand what creation is really all about, and if you really want to see how the challenge of secularism and religiosity opposing who God is and what God did 6,000 plus years ago, you have to understand the importance of that this when is just simply showing when time began. So let's dive back in. Literally, the, the bulk of the sermon is going to be here in these few words. So, like, he threw too much Bible at me. No, I'm just throwing, like, one verse at you. that cool? One verse. Here we go. Back to verse 1. When God began to create. Everybody say began. began. Notice this. In the beginning, God began to create. He didn't create and then start time. The very first thing he creates is time. And he began to create it. And the wrong way to read it is first God created the heaven, then God created the earth. That's the wrong way to read it, but that's the way that we read it. Because that's not what it says. When God began this aspect of creation, the creation he was making was the heavens and the earth. He created that. But when he started that, and notice that, that, that long dash, that M dash, for those of you who are in college and looking for big words, M dash, E-M dash, N dash. That means that there's more to come. There's another phrase coming. There, there's more information coming. It's not in the beginning God created the heaven and earth, period. It's when God began to create the heavens and the earth, and there's more coming. That, that cool? Y'all, y'all, y'all with me? Like, I went to English class at church. Not from this fool you didn't, I promise you. I liked English so much I took it two or three years in a row. Just saying C's get degrees and you have a really good relationship with your teacher, you can get through anything. Woo! But when God began to create, the very first thing that God creates is a separation. Creation began with a separation. What what, what separation? A separation between the continuity and the instability. God creates first a difference between himself and everything else that will ever happen. And you you have to grasp this. Remember, the continuity is God, right? So if I say continuity, you, you realize I'm saying with a big capital C, right? 
Like I'm, I'm referencing God. I'm not, I'm not referencing just a continuum. I'm referencing God. That is who he is. And he interrupts himself to create a separation because we are not him. We cannot be him. But he wants us to exist inside of him. And we'll dive into this a little bit more. He separates his continuity from the realm in which we would exist. In other words, he creates a place for us inside of himself. The wrong way to look at this is like time exists and God exists inside of time. No, baby, you're reading it wrong. God is and he created time and dropped it into the middle of his continuum into the middle of his continuity. Everything that happens in time happens within him. Here's the really cool thing, and I know this is gonna blow your mind, but right now in time, God is before. God's hanging out with all the the founding fathers. God's like still walking through the wilderness with the the Hebrews, and, and then he's also in the future with the floating cars and everything. He is. Because God does not exist in our timeline. Our timeline exists inside of God. And you have to understand this because if, if, you, if you try to keep shoving God into our existence, you actually limit his godness. Our realm only exists within his continuity and outside of him there is no existence. I don't believe in God. Well, good for you. He believes in you. He believes in you so much that he robed himself in flesh and said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to redeem them to me, even if they don't love me. He's not limited by our limitations. He's not limited by our limited knowledge. He's not limited by our time and space because our time and space exists within his continuum, within his continuality. Is this okay? Why don't we give him about a 10-second praise break? Praise God. All right, you good. I just needed a sip of water. Let's go back to verse one because we're we're not done here. Verse one. When God began to create the heaven and earth, and and, and remember, the wind, that breshit, that in the beginning is the exact moment that he began to create. And the very first thing that God creates is time. The very next thing that God creates is water and fire. I'm not going to dive into that today, but I'm, I'm setting you up for where we're going over the next couple of weeks. The very first thing is, is time. The next thing is fire in your water. And, and you're saying, that's not what I remember. I'll, I'll show it to you next week so you don't want to miss. And it's already in my notes, so I know it's right, right? It's, it's, got, it's got to be right. But it's, it's really important to see how God began to create. He started the process of creation. And from these three things, time fire and water, everything else is created. You're like, that's really cool, pastor, but how does the creation expose Jesus? So glad you asked. (laughs) Let's jump over here to John chapter one. John chapter one, verses one through three, says this, in the beginning was the word. Or in other words, Breshith Logos. I just mixed up two languages right there. That's okay. Y'all didn't know. In the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God and the word was fully God. The word was with God in the beginning. In other words, the word was with God in Breshith. Hang on to that. All things were created by him. Who is the him? The word. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So how does creation expose Jesus? Let me show you. Jesus is the word. If you keep reading in John chapter one, you get around verse 14, we find out that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's a direct reference to Jesus Christ, the living human man who is God. We're all clear on that, right? We're not talking about Muhammad. We're not talking about some church father. We're not talking about John Calvin. We're not talking about the Pope. We're not talking about anybody else. We're talking about the living, breathing God himself. Our faith is not in religion. Let me just go ahead and say it while we're at it. Pastor, why do you always bump on religion? You're offending people. The gospel is extremely offensive. I'm not offending people. The word is offending people. If you get offended by the word, you ought to check yourself because you done wrecked yourself. You need to get up into the word of God and find out that our faith has to be established on, he, on who he is, not on what we think we know about him. Jesus is the word and he is there in the beginning. You can't separate Jesus from the beginning because here's the deal. Jesus, and I'm going to bump religiosity right here. I'm going to bump polytheism. You're like, I'm not a polytheist. You would be surprised at how much polytheism makes its way into your belief system. You're like, I don't even know what polytheism is. That means believing in more than one deity. You would be surprised at how much of it filters its way into religion. By the way, it is literally the plan of the enemy to make you get confused when you start diving into this because if you don't know who your God is, you'll never know who you are. Praise God. I'm all preaching up in my teach mode, I'm just saying. Jesus was not created by God. And the room got quiet. But, I, but I, I thought that I had to pray to God the Father and then pray to Jesus. Nope, you missed it. Jesus was not created by God because at the moment, at the breshith, when God began to create, Jesus is already there. He is already there because somebody said over here, because he is God, right? All with me. After the when or after the beginning God began to separate things, but not before. Separation did not happen until the beginning happened. Before the beginning, there is no separation. So you can't have God separate from Jesus, separate from a dove who is the Holy Spirit. doesn't happen. You just simply have God. God is in his continuality, in his continuum, and, and then he creates an instability, and he's not unstable, but he says, I'm going to let you live in the instability, so you have to depend on my continuity. This makes sense? I feel like a real preacher, like making words rhyme and stuff. After the wind, God began to separate things. Before the beginning, in the continuality, in the continuum, Jesus is. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. Well, what is my faith based on? 
If your faith is based on religion, a religion that started three or 400 years after Christ walked the earth, my friend, you are messed up because you're believing lies of the enemy. And I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm being real. Somebody hear me. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to create divisions because the gospel has already created the division. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. And that one baptism's name is Jesus. That one faith's name is Jesus. That one Lord's name is Jesus. And that one Lord is the author and the finisher. He is the one who spoke and he is the one who is already in the end saying, I'm just waiting on you to catch up to me. We're back into teach mode. Hussah. Jesus is the process through which God creates. I need God to do something for me, then you need to get a hold of some Jesus so God can do something in you and through you and for you. But notice this. Remember I told you that God first creates a separation? In his continuality, he says, you can't exist here because you can't handle the truth. So I'm going to create a place for you that's unstable and it's separate. Now stay with me on this. God created a separation between himself and us before we were ever even there. Everything, as we're going to dive into over the next couple of weeks, everything on all six days of creation. By the way, I'm not one of those people that believes in an old earth. I don't believe the world is millions and millions and millions of years old because science is jacked up. See, me and you on the same page. They would call me, they would tell me that I am a young earthist, and you're absolutely right because I'm a Bibleist. And he created the world in six days. I, I, I'm going to be real. I used to believe that God could have created the world in six millennia because a day is as a thousand years. I got all theological. And we don't know how long the day is. Hogwash. He said the morning and the evening were the day. And he had already created time. So when he created time, he's not going to break the rules of time. And if I believe God could only have created everything through a large bang out in the cosmos... And through the process of evolution over millions and millions of years, what I'm saying is my God is limited. And that his word is short. And that he doesn't have the power to actually speak and it happen. My God is great enough to say, let there be and there is. God doesn't need Darwin to help him any more than he needs religion to save you. <laughs> Pastor, are you saying you're anti-science? No, because God is not anti-science. Science is just not caught up with who God is. You don't have science without God because there was nothing that was created that is created unless it was created through him, by him, and for him. So long before the dude with the funny hair said E equals MC squared, God said, yep. Einstein was like, I think I have learned this. And God's like, where you been, fool? When all the flat earthers were running around, including the religious people, claiming the earth was flat, 
And Galileo starts speaking of all the things in the cosmos before he actually loses his life over his belief that there is something greater than what we see here. By the way, science was fighting him too. I'm not going to get political. I'm just telling you, don't trust science because science is limited. Before any of that happened, God said, I have already flung the stars in there with my word. But I'm getting into next week, so let's back up. God created a separation. But, but notice this, notice this. John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was fully God, right? Y'all remember that? We read that a few minutes ago and y'all went, whoa, and then that was, that's what we read. There's more to that story. Jesus is the only process that God uses to heal the separation that exists between humanity and the continuality of God. Nothing else works. What I said, these 52 prayers, good for you. Jesus said it was finished and it was done. I handed out all these water bottles. Good. People were thirsty. But that doesn't save you. We picked up all this trash. That's awesome because trash is gross and it stinks. We ought to be better stewards of the world that God has entrusted to us. We should. But that doesn't save you. That will not heal the separation. Jesus is the only healing of the separation. And you say, why? Because if there had been separation between God and Jesus, there could have been no creation. But because there is no separation there, Jesus is the only one who can reach into the unstable and pull humanity into the continuality. Y'all with me? Too deep? All right, let's dive into a little bit more. Jesus exposes God's plan of salvation in the beginning. So I'm not sure I understand that. Well, Cool, hang on. The word of God is there for us. Not for us to use as a battling ram against people we don't agree with, but to reveal who he is so we understand who we are. First Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says this. He, direct reference to Jesus, was foreknown, which means eternally present. Jesus was eternally present before the foundation of the world. Jesus already is eternally present before Breshith ever happened. But, don't you love that there's always a but? <laughs> You're immature, you can laugh, it's okay. You wanted to, let's go ahead and get it out. But he was manifested, that word manifested literally means exposed. In these last days, for your sake. I love that. Jesus is before when ever happened, but why is he there? For my sake, for your sake, for your sake, for all y'all's sake, for every human who had ever lived. Jesus is there in the beginning for us. I don't understand. Let's, let's dive into a little bit more. John, here in his, in his gospel, John is exposing Jesus in creation. And this is also a direct 
reference to what God is going to show him years later toward the end of his life in the book of Revelation. And if you were to go there, Revelation 13 and 8, here's what it says. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Who is the lamb? Jesus. If you read through the rest of Revelation, you're going to see that the lamb is a direct reference to who Jesus is, right? We're all in the same, same Bible. Okay, cool. It's got more than four gospels. You should totally read them. And for all these people that say you don't need the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is pointing where we're going right now. And everything in the New Testament is pointing back, grabbing foundation and bringing it all together. You need the word of God. The lane slain from the foundation of the word. Okay, all right. You got to get this. In the beginning, there was separation, right? The continuality that is God is there. And then he creates a separation when he begins to create. He creates literally a whoop. And he's, whoop, you're out there, I'm here, you're out there, you exist inside of me. But notice what the text says. The lane's lane from the foundation of the world. Before God ever started creation, he had already provided a pathway out of the instability. Before God created a separation, he said, here's the way out of separation. Somebody hear me. This ain't even in the notes, but somebody needs to hear this. Before you get in the mess in your life, before you walk into it blind, not even knowing what's going on, God has already provided a way out of your situation before you ever even wake up and walk into it. He's not nervous about what happens because time exists inside of him. And it's like he's sitting back with about a billion point two TV screens and he's watching everything. He's like, yep, that's going to happen. Okay, I'm going to go. Before that happens, let me just... And he makes a little escape path right there. So before humanity was ever separated, before there was anything separating humanity, he said, I better go ahead and make a pathway out of it. So when I create them, they're going to have a way to come back to me. Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the beginning ever happened. Before God said, let there be, he already saw himself manifested. He already saw himself exposed, naked, and unashamed. Hanging on a cross saying, I'm going to take care of it. They don't even know I'm here, but I'm going to take care of it before they ever even get there. So how does this expose Jesus in my life? That's, that's probably the question you're asking. That's real good. That's all deep and theological and intelligent. And I feel good about life, but how does this expose Jesus in my life? Because we're in a room filled with people and we have several hundred people watching us live and between now and the end of the week, there'll be several hundred more. There's roughly 12 to 1,300 people that join us every week all over the world. And the people are going to watch this. And no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you're probably asking some questions. You're saying something like, God doesn't care about me, though. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I know you. You're human just like I am. So I'm going to raise my hand on behalf of everybody. I have said I'm not sure God cares about me. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there have been multiple moments that I've said, 
I don't know how he could ever care for me. I mean, look at everything that I've done. Look at everything that I've said. Look at everything that's been done to me. I'm not sure God could ever care about me. But you need to hear me on this when I say this truth. I'm going to give you three truths here at the end so you can fully understand how Jesus has exposed himself to you today. Not just to me, not just in the word, not just to all humanity. He's exposing himself to you here in this moment. Jesus cared about you before there ever was. How can God care about me? He cares about you so much that he created a pathway for you to come to him before anything ever even existed. Because I know how humanity works. But he doesn't know my situation. Right? You don't have to raise your hand. Because that, that's the way humanity is. We talk about our neighborhood. Highest home values per capita anywhere in the, in the parish or anywhere in the state. We're selling more houses. Our crime is the highest on this corner. Than, like you, you, get, you get in a room with a bunch of preachers and everybody's talking about how bad their city is. We have the worst murder rate per capita anywhere in this two block radius and anywhere else in the world. Because humanity loves playing the comparison game. So God can't know my situation. Because my situation is different as if we're all unique. I, I, hate, I hate to offend somebody who is striving for a uniqueness. You're not unique. You're human. You're created in the image and likeness of the one. So you are not unique. You are created just like him. So with your purple hair, with your blue hair, with your pin cushion, with all the things that makes you different from everybody else, you actually makes you more alike just like everybody else. Let, let me go ahead and say it. Even though your skin may look like it's a different color, you're all the same because all the colors exist inside of God. Let me go ahead and say this too because somebody needs to hear it because I'm sick and tired of culture trying to cancel truth. We're not a multiple race species. We're one race. It's called humanity. Because there's only one God. There's only one image. And we're all created in that image. There are differences. Well, if God wanted us to all be the same, he would, no, no. He wanted to show the differences and the beauty of his image. So he says, I'm going to make you look a little bit different than everybody else. And you think your situation is unique. And so you say, God can't meet me in my situation because this, 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 all this happened and that makes me, I love you. But your situation doesn't separate you from God because Jesus saw you before he ever saw the first ray of light. Before light ever shined in the darkness that was the emptiness, he saw you right where you are and said, this is what I'm going to have to do to reach you where you are. Your situation doesn't scare God. It may scare you, but it doesn't scare him. Just being real, it may scare some of the religious folks, but it's high time they got scared because their day's done. Because if you read the back of the book, the rest of John's, you, you can see where God took the great harlot who is religion and threw her into the lake that burns with fire. 
Religion doesn't have a place in the throne room of God. Religion has a place in the hell that he prepared for the devil. So don't put your faith in religion. Put your faith in the one who is God. And he sees your situation. And and I know that the, the third thing that we say, we all say it. We all say it. God can't save me. I'm unsavable. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't even have to nod your head. You don't even have to wipe the tears that are rolling down your face right now. I know I'm right. Because I've said it. You've said it. You've thought it. The person sitting next to you has said it. The person sitting next, the person watching online has said it. God can't save me. I've done too much. God can't save me. Too much has been done to me. That's a lie from the enemy. The lie from the enemy that says, you've got to do this, 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 just for God to notice you. I want Jesus to love me, so I better get saved. Baby, he loved you before you ever even knew you were lost. You can't get good enough to get God, so stop trying to fix your behavior and just fix your position Step out of the separation into the continuum. Because when you think God can't save you, you have to know this. Jesus paved the way for your salvation before you ever even walked away. But how is this possible? How how is this possible? How can a God do all this? Because before it ever happened, he is there. And here's the reality. He saw this moment coming before you even knew where you were going to go on this Sunday morning, the second Sunday of April, 2021. And all the way back in the first few phrases, the first few words the first few syllables of his text, he says, let me show you who I am. Before I even get into all the cool stuff, before I, before I, I fling the stars into space with the power of my word, let me just show you that I'm there for you. I'm not there for the cosmos. I'm not there for the animals. I'm not there for the mountains. All that's beautiful, but none of that even compares to the masterpiece of my creation, which is you. And I'm going to expose myself, and I'm going to peel back the layer, and I'm going to let you see who I am. Like, I'm God, and I love you, and I'm pulling you into myself. 